The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Ab number 159 for Monday, July 14th, 2008. Happy Bastille Day, folks, and greetings, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. I'm Dave Hamilton. That was John Braun. And you're our loyal, faithful subscribers. Time to storm the castle. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yeah. So I'm back from uh, vacation. We took our baby steps home from Winnipesaukee on uh, Saturday night. And uh, back in back in the saddle here and lots of stuff to go through. So obviously uh, all kinds of things have happened in the Apple world this week. There's, There's the iPhone, which isn't really Mac related, but certainly Apple related. And then Mobile Me uh, kind of happened last week, sort of, and it, in its own way. Yeah. And, you know, we've got lots of questions and, and a bunch of tips, actually, that came in while I was away and while we took our week off. And I think, John, you and I both have some tales of woe. Oh, yes. All right. So I, I got a little gift, though. While I was away, Comcast, which is the Internet service provider I have here at the office in the house, decided to upgrade our connections in uh, in the lovely town of Durham, New Hampshire and surrounding areas. So now my upstream, my downstream remains the same. I could either get six megabits or eight megabits down. I've, I've chosen eight for obvious reasons. Uh, and that came with 768K up. Now my, my upstream is two megabits. So uh, way more than double. And the, those people that had six megabits down had 384K upstream, and that's now up to one megabit. So that's that's a huge difference. In fact, I'm very much looking forward to once we finish the show tonight and we've converted it, John, when I upload it, uh, it'll go much, much faster. And so I'm very much looking forward to that. So that was a nice little treat. Nice. And actually, you know, I was looking around too. So we got a few services here. We actually have multiple options, which is always good. Um, mm. U-verse is something that some people... Um, you know, it is a package that I think AT&T offers. But I was shocked to find that they have a class of service, which from what I understand is DSL. Okay. Is 10 megabits, yeah. which, I mean, I haven't looked at DSL for a long, long time. I always assume it was just never going to get to the, you know, because of the technical difficulties, it was never going to get to the speed of cable because right. they have just so much more bandwidth, you know, and wiring and, and just, you know, it's, it's, it's better suited to, to send lots of data versus right. phone lines and copper. But um, I, I, I was amazed. Now, I guess, you know, you still have to be a certain distance from the central office and all that fun stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's 13,000 feet, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 13,000 feet of copper. Uh, so that could be much less than 13,000 feet uh, as the crow flies. Yeah. So, um, so, so they've uh, definitely uh, improved the, uh, the service. Cool. So, um, now a tale of woe. Could I tell my tale of woe? Uh, yeah. All right. Go ahead. Tell your tale. Sure. Okay. Why not? So while you no were time. Gone, yeah. So, so, you know, it, and actually I think that the last show we had just gotten some nice updates, I think 10, five, four, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And a seven, was it seven, three, one? I forget the firmware just off the top of my head. Of the, I think it was seven something uh, of the of time, the time capsule. capsule. Okay. So, you know, being the dummy I am, I always, you know, like to apply these, you know, untested (laughs) OS and, uh, you know, hardware updates. And um, so then what started happening is that when I, uh, you know, so I have two separate separate, um, time machines set up. One one is my desktop that backs up to a self-enclosed drive. I do not use the time capsule. I I have it use its own drive, which is the the one terabyte monster is what I call it. Right. And um, but I on my portable, I use that to, to sync to the time capsule. I use my 
you know, my MacBook. And so it started, it would just sit there and the thing would spin forever and ever and ever and say, preparing, 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 and nothing was happening. I'm like, this is really bad. So let me go to the sparse image and let me try to mount that directly, which to me is a sign that things are right or things are wrong. Okay. Um, and in this case, it was just, you would click on that and the, and it would just sit there and sit there and sit there. And eventually, maybe, I mean, we're talking, you know, minutes, which it shouldn't take that long really? to digest the sparse image, right? Yeah. It would say resource temporarily unavailable. <sighs> All right. Well, I went online and Apple has a thread and, uh, and actually I've, I've also seen some reports. I did some more research on this. There are also people that have had a, uh, sparse image that was so corrupted that it would cause a kernel panic, even on a machine that had nothing to do with that sparse image. Okay. Um, so I'll link to this report. And also there's an Apple thread about resource temporarily unavailable, but it basically means that your sparse image is hosed. Now, I don't know if it was this time capsule update or the OS update or just, you know, because I typically the machine that, that I have connected, I will shut it down without regard for whether, you know, a time machine is running. Right, right. Because I figure I can handle it. You know, if you shut the machine down, it should, it should just abandon that backup and just kind of deal with it later. Now, they did add a battery option. And, and actually, what I'm doing is I'm turning that off, is that I'd rather, I, I just don't want it to be trying to back up more often than. <laughs> yeah, I think it used to be off, and 10.5.4 yes. allowed you to like, toggle it and, and, ha- and have it on. I think it's on by default now with 10.5.4. Yeah, and it's probably a good idea. I don't know if it's. It's probably good. Yeah, it's a good idea to give that choice. I, I, I would say that you shouldn't disable that. Right. Because usually my battery doesn't you know, get too run down. But anyway, so as it ended up, I, I eventually reformatted and, and redid this. But, okay. Um, it, now, supposedly. So you lost all this. your you lost all your backups. Is that right? Yes. Oh, that's a so, shame. That's bad. So based on that experience now, supposedly you can try to repair a sparse image with uh, disk utility. Um, that didn't work. So mine was beyond, um, repair though. Some people suggested you could remove the drive from the time capsule and actually connect it. So disk utility can access it directly because okay. it doesn't really come up as a directly connected drive. So you don't, I think, get all the options that you normally would to repair it. Right. But I didn't want to open the thing up and take the drive out. So I'll reformat. And so I would. I would suggest caution is that you may want to use an alternate, probably not a bad suggestion. To, in any case, use a different backup strategy. Don't maybe don't count on time machine and time capsule exclusively. Cause I thought I could, but this, this disc image was, was hosed. I've never seen that happen before. Huh? But yeah, you'll see, I have, I have links. I'm, I'm not the only one that's run into this. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it makes uh, sense. I, you know, I, <sighs> Yeah, I, I actually I have to agree with you. Uh, I don't want to agree with you. I want to say, yeah, just rely on the time capsule. But I, as I'm thinking about this here, I realize, of course, that I don't just rely on the time capsule for my mission critical data. I have it all backed up with mm-hmm. time machine to the time capsule. And then once a day, uh, super duper clones my boot drive, which has all my stuff on it. And then, of course, my data is on dot Mac uh, or mobile me now up in the cloud on my iDisk. So it, yeah, I've got it in multiple places. So yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, cause as far as I know, I didn't do anything wrong. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I put my machine to sleep maybe in the middle of a backup operation. You should be able to deal with that. 
And I don't think that's what, I, I don't know what caused it. But I, I, you know, I wasn't tinkering with the thing. Everything is, you know, you know, running the latest version of the OS. Maybe it was the OS update. Maybe it was the time capsule update. Right. Maybe it was just something. Who the heck knows? But for the image, the disk image to, or the, the sparse image to get corrupted, that's that's not good. So that that's my tale of woe. Um, maybe a word of caution if you are using Time Machine. Maybe maybe consider just like Dave does is maybe consider something else like Super Duper or Carbon yeah. Copy Cloner is one of our favorites. Um, and you know every- even Apple's disk utility just just um, you know to make an image of of something or zip it up you know make an archive of something. Yeah yeah I guess so I, I yeah yeah. I guess. All right. Well, that, 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 I don't know. That was uh, yeah. I, I wish there. Yeah. I wish there was a better answer. And I wish time capsule or time time capsule had a way of uh, or even time machine had a way of, of allowing you to go from one drive to the other um, in a in a in a rotation, if you will. Because, yeah, if that one sparse image gets hosed, you're screwed. Yeah, Pilot Pete's saying that it should be a raid. But but I'll I'll, I'll challenge that because a raid would would have two copies of the corrupted disk image if 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 the indexes get 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 hosed they're hosed in both places so um really a raid is only good for if you've got individual mm-hmm. files on it because you can pull you know then you're then you're really only fault tolerant against not file corruption but hardware corruption so yeah yeah and i don't know if there's something uh, yeah i mean an image yeah i, I agree with you yeah. So it sounds like there's something wacky in the way that they, you know, manage a sparse image mm-hmm. that just bit me. And I don't know what it is because hmm. you know, I never got any errors. All of a sudden it just stopped working. That's disturbing. And then, and then you know, I couldn't. <laughs> so but let's move along to, to okay. happier. Oh, no, wait, this isn't quite happy, but. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's all good. So well, uh, little little mini woes, but also good things. But I yeah. guess you're, you're going to talk about the iPhone a little bit. I, I am. So I, I did uh, when we got back from we were on vacation. We were on the lake on the island on Friday. We actually Lisa and I came in uh, to the mainland on Friday night to go see Rush. I was going to stop in the Manchester AT&T store to pick up a, an iPhone and it was a big train wreck there and they were out of phones, but the lines were long anyway. So I didn't Saturday night. We got home. I called around. No AT&T stores had phones left. Uh, the Salem Apple store had them. And then the Peabody mass uh, Apple store also had them. It sounded like Peabody had more and had shorter lines. So Lucas and I hopped in the car. We drove down uh, and we waited in line for all of about six minutes and, and we were able to pick up the only thing they were out of was the black 16 gig. So I got a, a white 16 gig, uh, iPhone three G and, and by and large, I'm happy with it. You know, it was really nice that I've been using the trio for three years. I had set up my, uh, email using IMAP so that I had, you know, you've heard about my email Nirvana. Now that this is something that a lot of, a lot of you do with the, with the iPhone, so it just totally worked right out of the right out of the gate. You know, it it just synced up and, and my emails there. The email client on the iPhone has some advantages. It certainly handles mail formatting a whole lot better than anything on the trio. Uh, but as far as managing mass quantities of mail, it's better now in iPhone 2.0 when you can mass move and mass delete messages. But it's still a little bit slower. I'll have to change some of my workflows to to deal with it, especially when traveling. But I, I, I like it. So. Uh, there, there's a couple of things that uh, that I, I wanted to talk about with the iPhone, and then we'll move on. Um, old cases, you, you've probably all heard this, old cases will not work, but I did have a casemate uh, skin, and I, I forget exactly what they call it, but it's it's the casemate 
skin for the iPhone, the, you know, the stuff that they put on helicopter blades. It's clear. You put it over the phone. The one, it was built for the, uh, the first generation iPhone and it works fine on the third generation phone. It, you kind of have to, you know, make sure you fit it right over the camera and the buttons and all that, but, but it works great. So I was able to get home and just do that, which was nice. Um, I found it. This is interesting. I had a third party AC charger for an iPod. It always worked with Lisa's iPhone, which of course is a, a you know, first generation phone. I plugged it into mine because I thought, well, I'll put this one by the bed and then I can charge it and I'm good to go. Uh, as soon as I plugged it in, it said this charger is not uh, qualified to charge an iPhone. The iPhone said this. And so I'm not going to charge from it. So I immediately turned to Lisa and said, you got to give me your charger and I'll give you this one. And that created some marital stress. But uh, but in the end, it worked out just <laughs> just fine. <laughs> uh, the, the good news was on Saturday night, you know, there were all sorts of activation problems. AT&T servers went down on Friday and it just stopped everything in their tracks. By Saturday night, the activation went smooth as glass. There was no issues whatsoever. So uh, the only issue I've had with it is. I've had this thing crash at least like hard crash, either manually rebooting or uh, automatically rebooting at least four times. And I've had this thing less than 48 hours. So what were you doing? Were you running third party apps or some, just sometimes just kind of popping around or what? Good questions. Yeah. So sometimes it was third party apps. Sometimes one time it was mail. I, I was just launching mail okay. and it, it just died. So. I'm not convinced that it's because of the third party apps, because if if what Apple says is true, that the third party apps are not in RAM when they're not running. So, um, yeah, and and I'm hearing uh, Pilot Pete saying that he had a crash on a first generation iPhone with iPhone 2.0 software. So I, I think there's something in the core of that software that's just not working quite right. But if if Apple's history is any indication, they will fix this. I mean, they sold a million of these things this weekend. There's, there's yeah. way more beta wow. testers out there now than there were last week. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we get to be beta testers and it's fine. I like the white one. It's uh, we'll see how, you know, we'll see how it goes, but uh, it's fine. It, it is what it is. So, uh, Oh, one, one other thing that, that I was worried about and I found that it worked, but uh, it's not obvious. So, if you're in uh, on the on the Mac, and this is actually a, a Mac tip too, on the Mac, if you have multiple email addresses that that all funnel into one account, what you can do is in Mail Settings, if you go to Mail Preferences, click on Accounts, and go to Account Information. You have the description and then the email address, and you put your reply email address there. Well, you can put multiple addresses there, all separated by comma. So you know I've got. Dave at MacObserver.com, Dave at BackbeatMedia.com, Dave at DealsOnTheWeb.com, et cetera, et cetera. So I just list all of these separated by comma. And then when I go to send a message, I get a little drop-down menu and I can choose which email address I want to send from. Mm. Well, the same is true on the iPhone. And I believe, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is new with iPhone 2.0. So when you're creating a message, click on the from address. It's listed there in the, you know, in the headers of the message. And it gives you a little rolling menu that you can choose the from email address. Now, the one thing mail app is smart enough. If you're replying to a message, it looks at the message, sees what address it was sent to, and will reply from that address if it's in your list. 
The iPhone does not seem to do that. It always picks whatever the first one is in that list, and that's your reply from address mm. no matter what. So you've just got to manually change it if, the, if it matters to you. But uh, I wanted to throw that out there because it's not really obvious. I hadn't heard anybody talk about it. Maybe it's been there since day one, and that's why nobody's talking about it. But uh, my my wife had wanted to do that with hers. Hers was synced up that way because that's how her mail client was, and it automatically copies the settings over. But she had no idea that it worked until I stumbled onto it and then showed it to her. So just figured I'd, I'd throw that out there. Now, so that's the iPhone. Oh, wow. phones. Oh, I got I got a... a, 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 a not a wag of my finger, but a shake of my fist. Can I do Uh-oh. one of those? Yeah, go ahead. Shake your fist. Then we'll talk about mobile me. Okay. Yeah. I just want so shake of my. Uh, so I have a Motorola. Uh, no, I do not have an iPhone. I have a Motorola Crazer, which is a fine phone. Um, but the one thing that Verizon did is that they kind of um, they supported a way to use the connection. Um, so so this is a phone that has both RTT One X and I think uh, uh, EVD. Uh, some higher speed protocol. So, okay. so basically there was a little hack where if you, with this phone, if you disabled the, the higher speed was the EVDO, I forget. Yeah, anyway. that's what it is. Um, it's EVDO. And you locked it yeah. into this older, slower protocol. You would get a radio modem basically. And it, t- it took from your minutes. Well, okay. now if you try that, hmm? yeah, go ahead. Okay. So yeah, you'd have to go into the debug mode on the phone and then basically disable the, the, the one band that didn't provide the, uh, the, you know, the freebie, or the data connection, and then when it locked into the older band, um, you would it would take away from your minutes and be a data call on the bill, and I think everybody was cool with that. Okay. Well, now it, that doesn't work anymore because I just tried, you know, I did some system updates and all that. So now what happens is they redirect you to a page, um, dunsp.vzw.com, telling you, oh, if you would like to subscribe to Broadband Access, call, and they give a telephone number. Uh-huh. Now... Could you guess how much they want a month for broadband access that used to be built in from your minutes? I mean, how much are we willing to pay, Dave? You know, $20 a month, 40 Well, wait a minute. Ask that question again. So you, you want to know how much I'm willing, I'm willing to pay to get broadband <laughs> access on my phone. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Well, on my Trio, I was paying thirty four ninety nine a month for unlimited mm-hmm. data. Uh, with the iPhone, I'm now paying $30 a month. So it's actually gone down now. That's up from the $20 that Lisa pays or that we pay for Lisa's iPhone um, because uh, she's got a first-gen iPhone. So, you know, so I guess I guess my number is 35 bucks because that's what I was paying for the trio, and I certainly didn't whine about it. So there you go, 35 bucks. I'll, I'll say 35 Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> well, not with Verizon. Oh. They want. So, so the, the, the page that has the pricing, well – they have one pricing if you have a smartphone or BlackBerry device, which is either 15 or 30 bucks. Okay. But if you're like me and you just have a broadband access connect capable handset, which is what the Crazer is. Okay. fifty nine ninety nine a month. Holy moly. That's, That's a- twice the cost of my voice plan. My voice plan is like 30 something dollars. Are they? You know, they give us they- a nice. Uh, is this somehow tied to the price of oil? <laughs> What especially aggravates me is this used to be a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. If you can figure out how to make this work, we're not going to support you, but we'll let you do it to. All right. Cough up 60 bucks a month if you want to use yourself, your cell phone as a a radio modem, I'm going to call it. And and that is that that's not not unlimited, right? Oh, no, no. It's a five. uh, What do they say? Monthly allowance, five gigs of uh, data. 
Wow. Okay. And just and then twenty five cents per megabyte thereafter. Just as a point of reference, what do you pay for your cable modem access at home? I'll. I'll. In fact, I know what I pay because I was looking at the bill today. So I get eight megabytes mm-hmm. down. Right. Eight megabits. Per, sorry, mm-hmm. not megabytes. Megabits per second down. Two megabits per second up, as we just discussed. I pay fifty five dollars a month, unlimited. Yeah, that's about what I pay for the cable modem, and I, I get rates that I think are a little, little faster than yours. But. Yes, you do. That's right. Yeah, you're, especially the downstream now. I think upstream, we might be about the same, but yeah, downstream. Might yeah, but be downstream, I can get a, uh, I think I get 10 megabits. Right. Okay. Um, so, the, yeah, about 50, and, and the, the telephone, and, you know, the uh, TV service, that they that's about 50. Is Verizon trying to, to place themselves out of this market? Sounds to me. Well, if, if they are, they're doing a great job because yeah. sixty bucks a month for data access is is when you're already a a customer. To me, is outrageous. It's not worth that. We no. don't pay so sixty somebody, bucks a month for two phones with data access with AT and T. So, and yes. especially because it used to be what I would consider built into my plan. Right. You know. Right. The, That's right. It, it, before, uh, I thought it was fair. If I want to use those minutes for data call, you know, I, I forget how many I get now, 300, 400. Right. Whatever that I have. I can use them for data. I can use them for primetime calling, whatever I want. Now, yeah. So I'm shaking my fist at you, Verizon. Do you hear me? <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So we got we to gotta do this here. Before we talk about MobileMe, our, our first sponsor is a sponsor that's been with us for a long time, John. And... They've actually been around even longer, uh, which is no great surprise. And it, it's smileonmymac.com. They are actually celebrating their five-year birthday. They, they are five years old now, which I think it, it, in Internet terms, I think that's about uh, 35 years. I think that's how the translation works. So I think, I think they're in the prime of their life now. Uh, These dog years? Or internet years, Inter- dog years, I internet mean. years. I don't know. If, I don't know how internet years and dog years relate. I, we'll have to see at the ten year mark. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, right now, so uh, they're they're doing a couple of special things. First and foremost, if you visit smileonmymac.com/geek, now this is a special link for Mac Geek Gab listeners. So smileonmymac.com/geek, you get twenty percent off of any application from Smile on My Mac. So now, if you were thinking of PDF Pen Pro. Uh, now's the time to do it because you'll save almost 20 bucks uh, off the off the retail price, which is great. So uh, and and the same holds true for for any of their other apps. Uh, so, you know, Text Expander, of course, is one I couldn't possibly live without uh, live without here. I use it constantly on all my machines. I want it for the iPhone. Smile on my Mac if you're listening. And I know you are. If you can find a way to make it work for the iPhone, I'm sure I'm sure Apple has has locked that down to the point where it's not possible to have some overlying app. But it'd be really cool. Nonetheless, they're celebrating their birthday uh, and they want to they they believe in gifts at at birthday time. Right, John. So they want to give away five pieces of software to you. Not not to you, John, but to you, our listeners. I already got it, so I don't need it. Right. And so we're we're we want you to send us an email if if you want uh, in on this contest here, and and we'll take these emails over the next why don't we say the next two weeks okay that that'll give me some time to to float through them if uh, if I get bogged down this week so but but it, it can't just be any email John I think I think we there's think, a twist ah there's a twist so uh, should we have them do poems do you like poems John you know you know I like poems but I like even better is I like haikus 
Oh, no. Oh, no. See, now you're talking. Okay, so poems with a preference, a nod, if you will, a wink, a nudge given to haiku. Uh, and, and John, <laughs> okay, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Uh, not only do I want you to explain what a haiku is, I want you to give me an example now. And no, oh, we have sure. not stopped the tape. We are rolling. There is no pause here. Yeah, we're rolling. No, I have it in front of me here. So anyways, a haiku is a, a specific type of poem, I guess, Japanese, I guess, in origin, which is basically five, seven, then five syllables. And here's an example that Dave and I came up with during the pre-show, which I, I was just, part of my brain that I usually don't use just came to life here. And here's an example. I like Mackie Gap. John and Dave are A-OK. I will end this now. Now, folks, John, you you gave it away because you did have that prepped for the show. However, folks, I got to tell you, as we were doing as we were doing show prep here, and this is why I was kind of leading John down this path, because I was going to let him kind of do a little fib. But as we were doing show prep, we talked about haikus. Uh, We pilot Pete and John and I were talking here and we realized, okay, it's five, seven, five. And as soon as we said five, seven, five, John came up with exactly what you just heard him say. Totally spontaneous and out of the blue. It was a moment of pure genius, which is exactly what haiku is all about. So without further ado, we will move on. But smile on my Mac.com slash geek. If you want 20% off, send in your poems. And if you are so inclined, a haiku. And it can be about anything. But of course, if it's about the Mac geek cab or smile on my Mac or the Mac in general, uh, or the Apple universe or anything like that. Of course, that's going to catch our attention more than a haiku about uh, rising gas prices. Though, <laughs> though, though, you know, that is an issue near and dear to our hearts. Too. They're going down, actually. I know they are. Around yeah. here, I saw them drop yeah. just a little bit. Yep. Okay. Uh, moving on to mobile me. So. What is mobile me? Well, really what it is, is it it's two things. One it is a rebrand of dot Mac. It, as far as I can tell, and I, I say this with, with great sadness, it is the same bank of servers that worked with dot Mac in the past. It's the same engines, at least on the back end that are doing this stuff. It's certainly the same engine on my Mac that's doing it. And it's flaky. And we're going to talk about some flakiness in a minute. Well, I think part of it was, I think dot Mac was kind of thumbing their, uh, thumbing their nose, nosing their, th- thumbing their, uh, they were making fun of .NET. Right. I think was part of the intent is like, .NET, what the heck is that? Who the heck knows? And right. here's .Mac. It's accessible. It's nice. It's a, it's a nice package of services. So I guess that got old. It, yeah. Well, it got old. But now, instead of just having Macs be clients that can sync to all the data that you have on, on .Mac or MobileMe, now the iPhone can sync to MobileMe and... There's a Windows client to allow Outlook to sync contacts, calendars, and uh, and bookmarks. No way, Windows. Yeah. So, wow. so well, they had Funny to do how this. They do these sneaky little. Yeah, they had Windows to do end runs every now and then. That's right. right. They they they, yeah. they make a Mac and then they they bring in the uh, the, the the Windows crowd. And, That's right. And then everybody's hooked. Well, they had to for you know first for the iPod and now for the iPhone. You get you know you got to mm-hmm. you don't want to exclude that market. So, how does it work? Well. By and large, it's pretty cool. When it works, it works. Uh, you know, you you tell your phone sync with Mobile Me. It stops syncing calendars, bookmarks, and you can set this. The cool thing is, there's four things that that Mobile Me does on the on the phone: mail, calendars, address book, and bookmarks. And you can set them each individually. So you could choose to do mail and address book, 
and uh, and calendars and bookmarks would still sync manually from your Mac. Why would you want to to turn one off if you're going to bother using them? Well, here's an example. On my Mac, I have calendars. Lisa publishes, just for example, a calendar of family oriented events. Now, I don't need to edit this calendar. I just need to subscribe to it. So she publishes it using her .Mac account, her mobile me account. I subscribe to it. I have all this stuff. Prior to mobile me, I could sync this to my iPhone and it would work fine because if I was syncing manually over USB to my Mac. Now, subscribed calendars don't sync to the iPhone over over the air, if you will. So I've lost access to that. Lisa's lost access to the calendars that I publish. There is a, a, a workaround, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Victor Kajau's uh, Typical Mac User Podcast. I think it was George that did the show. But it's about a three-minute show, four-minute show, where they talk about how to use BusySync and Google Calendars to do an end run around that. But uh, but it's not perfect. So uh, So there is a way around it, but it's not perfect yet. That's that's essentially in a nutshell. That's mobile me. Of course, it's your iDisc too. That there's an online component now that's much more uh, advanced than than the previous one. You can navigate your iDisc calendars and address book online, uh, and with the iDisc, you can even send a file right from there. You can do it. It, it integrates with its mail interface. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, and of course, they doubled the space. So if you had a 10 gig uh, allotment, now you've got 20, which is handy. Yeah, funny yeah. how. They recently released a version of their browser for Windows, mm-hmm. and it uses now the web service. I'll, I'll call it a web service. Some people right. may shake their fist right. saying that's not correct usage, but I think it is. Yep. So it's basically web accessible extension of what was only what, what was before, pretty much Mac centric. You, you could still use a browser in some sure. cases to access some of the old uh, dot Mac stuff, but this really. I think brings it to another level. Now on the, uh, of course, on the Mac, you'll notice uh, you should have gotten this already, but if you haven't, check for it. Mac OS X update for mobile me, which as far as I can tell, basically changes every occurrence of .Mac to mobile me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, essentially that's what it does. Yes. You get a new icon in the, uh, you know, in the, in the system preferences that looks, right. you know, the new look and feel and all that. Um, so now... But anyways, yeah, no, I like the... I like the... Uh, and I tried it briefly, and it just... It, it really flows very nicely. Now, they, they did have... And you know, uh, here's a little finger wag at Apple. Is it, it seems a lot of these events... Now, I know you can never, you know, totally predict how big a launch is going to impact your server farm, but it seems more often than not that they they don't quite get it right. That's right. You know, now Microsoft and others have been accused, you know, they've suffered from this as well. Something is just wildly popular and it, it crashes. Yeah. But, but it seems they keep running into this. They seem to be a bit conservative in their estimates for how much bandwidth things are going to take. And I know that you can, I mean, you know, Dave, we outsource our, or, you know, we have our servers in a server farm somewhere. And I'm sure if you needed additional capacity, you could get on the horn and say, yeah, can I have more servers and more disk space? And they'll, they'll do it for you. Sure. So I don't know why they don't account for this uh, better. It, it's hard it to, me sad yeah, it's hard to, to see the, right. the, the messages. You know, I got, I got the mobile me message saying, gee, sorry, we're, we're kind of busy and <laughs> the online apps will be yeah. ready soon. Yeah, that, that was the, the and I did that, I think, the day or, or a couple of days after they uh, launched the service. I think it was the day after. And, and that made me sad to see that message. Well, they, so. they came out with two updaters for mobile me. There was the, the mobile mm-hmm. me updater 1.0 and then there was 1.1, which came out on Saturday and that yeah I got 1.1 I didn't get 1.0 okay okay I got 1.1 so it could have been worse 
It, I think it was for a lot of people. So, <laughs> but I ran into, now I have a family account with, uh, with mobile me and Lisa does her own syncing that's separate from, from the syncing I do. And this weekend I had to fix not one, but two instances of the same problem with mobile me. Now mm. to be, to be fair, Lisa's had not been syncing since June 24th. So that's, Almost, but three, that's three plus weeks, right? Uh, almost three weeks, I guess. It, uh, and it, it, it's bizarre what, what, what goes on. It, it, the really bizarre thing is that mobile me, you know, if you set it to sync automatically in the background, either, either truly automatically or every hour, day, week, whatever, if it can't sync, it will not alert you at all. Uh, I, I, the only reason I noticed her machine wasn't syncing is because I went and looked to make sure it was syncing before uh-huh. I synced up her iPhone. Right. Uh, and the only way to know is to look in the log, which is buried in home slash library slash logs slash sync with a capital S slash all lowercase. And this is true. Even with mobile me dot Mac sync log. Now, so what you're saying so, but because, uh, for example, my setup, at least on my, my desktop, mm-hmm. is I have the uh, menu bar icon, and it will say, last mobile me, Correct. Max sync today at whatever. So what you're saying is that failures do not get, because re- time machine reports failures. So, so what you're saying is .Mac or now mobile me will not report failures in that little it, section? No, it would. If you were to look at that menu, uh, okay. It, okay. Would, it would show, it wouldn't show that it had any failures. It would simply show that the last mobile sync in Lisa's case was uh-huh. June 24th. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. Okay, what's going on? But okay. it, it, it put up no alert dialogue. There was nothing. Even the icon didn't change. You know, Time Machine, okay. if it has a problem, it changes to an exclamation point in the middle. All right, of the you icon. had to dig to find out there was a problem. Okay, yeah. That's, that's bad. It's really so bad. Giving you a warning or yeah. something. It's been a week since I've been able to sync help, you know, something. Well, and, and then I had the same problem on my machine. Uh, that I had to fix and I had to fix it in much the same way. So in looking in the error log, what I saw was it said problem encountered while merging changes in sync engine. You referenced the following records in a relationship, but did not actually push them. And then it listed all of these, these, you know, UUIDs of, of, of records that were totally useless. You know, yeah. it was a relationship problem. Yes. Uh, now what you have to understand is on your Mac, there's at least two copies of all the data that you're syncing to and from .Mac. There is the copy that the application is using, whatever application it is. And then there's what the system considers the truth. Okay. And the truth can the truth. be, the truth can be affected either by the data that's on your Mac or the data that's on the mobile me server. So, uh, it, and then the idea is anytime you sync, it first updates the truth and then syncs everything to the truth and, and, and pulls the data that way. So there's, there was an issue with what this turns out to tell you is I pulled something down from the cloud, synced it with the truth, and then when I tried to push the truth live, I couldn't. Now, that's not what the error message says. Clearly, that's not what the error message says. But that's what it means because I saw this twice and this is what happened. The only way to fix it was... Now, I tried resetting the data. I figured, okay, I've, I, I made sure that the data on the cloud was good. I uh, you know, went to the machine that had the most recent copy, updated it, and then said, reset data from 
uh, the you know from mobile me to my Mac, blow it away, still wouldn't work because it was doing the same thing. It was pulling this quote unquote corrupted data down from the cloud, uh, and it and it didn't work. So what I had to do was copy manually sneaker net, if you will, the the data from another Mac to the one that was reporting this problem and then say, replace the data on mobile me with the data from my Mac, essentially wiping out the truth database and updating it. Now, there is a way to wipe out the truth database on your Mac without doing that, but it did not work to solve this. And the way to do it with Leopard is launch the iSync app, go into preferences, and in advanced, you have a, a, a little button that says reset iSync data. And that will wipe out the truth and, and cause it to repopulate. But in this case, it, it didn't help at all. Uh, neither on neither machine, again, two totally neither set of machines, two totally separate instances of, uh, of syncing. So it, it, that took many hours of my my uh, wow. my Sunday, I guess, maybe, maybe not, not many hours, but maybe an hour and a half of my Sunday to, to resolve that. Yeah. So, yeah, it 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 can be a real bear. And this was all after mo- the mobile me thing. So it still sucks just the same as dot Mac did. And it's still great. Just the same as dot Mac was. I, I mean, but, it, don't get me wrong. This is a fantastic thing when it works and it works most yes. of the time. So there you go. Now, what gets me though, is that you mentioned and from a philosophical point of view, you mentioned the truth. Yes. Now, I think it's just kind of cool because, you know, humans are imperfect beings. So I think that humans are not capable of perceiving the absolute truth. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> Can I talk about our second sponsor before we uh, before Absolutely. we get too deep here? Can I pull us out of the, the crevice, if you will? Uh, Ecamm Networks is our second sponsor. They have a lot of great apps for your Mac. The one we're talking about here is Conference Recorder 2. Now, what Conference Recorder 2 does is it allows you to record your iChat audio and video chats. Uh, it's an add-on for iChat, adds a little button at the bottom of all your chat windows. You can record chats exactly as you see and hear them. Uh, you can manually start and stop. You can tell it to record chats automatically. You can set in the preferences to control the movie size and the quality. It creates QuickTime movies, which you can play on any Mac and most Windows machines. Uh, you can create movies of yourself, of course. It saves them all with MP4 compression. Uh, you can annotate your recordings and 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 make make little notes on them. Uh, and of course, there's a demo. And once you like it, uh, you can buy it for fourteen ninety five from from the website. And this is at ecam.com. E C A M M dot com. Uh, very very cool little app that uh, kind of stays out of your way until you want it, and then boom, it's right there. So uh, it records audio and video. Very very cool. Uh, other apps that they have. One that I love is eyeglasses adds all sorts of video effects to to iChat. I I use it to do um, I, I use it to do to enhance my the way my my video looks when I'm in my office. It's kind of dark if I use if I use uh, just the lights in my my office. It's not great, but uh, if I turn on eyeglasses. Uh, it makes things look a whole lot better. So, uh, so that's Ecam Networks at Ecam E C A M M dot com. And uh, I think John's back. I'm not sure if you all heard that ring, and uh, and John called me back because uh, he dropped off. We've been having strange connection issues tonight, John. I'm not yeah, sure what that I've is. noticed our uh, 
Yeah, the little stat window shows we're, we're kind of bouncing around the internet tonight. We don't have a straight connection, so I wonder if uh, that's part of it. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're using Skype, but we're getting uh, bounced through relays tonight, which is odd for us. And uh, that, that's the way it goes. So anyway. Okay, but I'm back. You are back. Uh, yes, now I didn't that, get caught. That, <laughs> you know, you didn't get caught. That's right. Because there was that one episode where, yeah, we, yeah, we don't want to talk about The same thing happened. That's right. But you got caught. Um, you want to answer some of these questions? What, what, where are we here? We're at, uh, we're at the 40 minute mark. Mark, excuse me. I, I think we should yeah, uh, Chad? We should answer some questions. Let's talk oh, about Chad. Chad. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, let me dig up Chad here. Okay, so th- this is a timely thing because we are in uh, thunderstorm and lightning season, at least in most of the U.S. or hurricane season. Uh, yeah, that's right. right. Did, didn't one, uh, one one or two started right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, where they're at now. So Chad says uh, this is related to Max. And that I'm buying my wife an iMac tonight to replace her PC that died. We suspect that power had something to do with the death and don't want the Mac to suffer the same fate. We've got three UPSs, that's uninterruptible power supplies, in the house. Two are APC brand, and a third is by Geek Squad. The Geek Squad was purchased to replace one of the APCs that I thought was failing, but it does the same thing. What does it do? Well, when we have a brownout, which is when the power flickers off briefly and comes back... The Geek Squad UPS and the previously used APC UPS sets an alarm and shuts down. I can hear the other UPSs just switch to battery and go back online. But what makes this other UPS and both of them behave this way? Is it letting bad power through to the attached devices? Thanks. And chat. All right. Huh. So I, I, I'm going to toss out a possible diagnostic okay. tip here, which is if you have a certain type of UPS... Um, it'll usually have, I guess, a USB or serial connection where you can plug it into the computer. And Mac OS X, for the most part, I think, uh, from Tiger forward, though it could have been earlier versions, will give you an additional bonus tab um, in the system preferences under Energy Saver if it sees a UPS that talks uh, this certain protocol, UPS protocol. Um, I don't recall what it's called. Um, that may be one thing. See if it shows up in your, in your energy saver and if you can, you know, learn something about it. It does it report, you know, battery levels or, or just, just what it's configured to do. Yep. So that's one thing I would toss out there. Um, the behavior in general sounds, well, no, I mean, it shouldn't be doing that, should it? I mean, it, <laughs> Here, it shouldn't. It, it's panicking and I don't know why it's panicking. Maybe you have some thoughts on that, but that sounds like what it's doing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's protecting the computer but it's not doing it in a very nice way. That's right. I, I think I, I have a, a bunch of UPSs, a couple over at the house, uh, at least three here in the office in the studio that I can count quickly. And I have one that does exactly the same thing, but not well, not exactly, almost exactly the same thing. It has to be a little longer than a brownout, but but anything longer than than maybe 10 or 15 seconds and 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 this one does the same thing and and its predecessor did it as well and i'm pretty sure especially you know i never really thought about it until i read chad's email today and i'm pretty sure that mine is simply overloaded uh, and john's back again uh mm, so night. anyway i'm pretty sure that mine is simply overloaded and it's causing uh, the, the UPS, you know, when, when it's got to draw power from it, it's drawing too much. And the UPS says, I'm out. I'm shutting down. So 
that would be my my suggestion, especially for you, Chad. You've got two of them. You replace the one of the APCs with it. Split the load and put it on two different UPSs. Now, plug the UPSs. If you talk to APC or any of these UPS manufacturers, they'll tell you you have to plug the UPS directly into the wall. And then here's the real gotcha. They don't support, you know, they all come with some level of, of insurance protection for any devices you plug in. And you might want to look into this, Chad, if your PC blew up. But the deal is they only support devices plugged directly into the UPS. So you can't use a power strip. You can't use a splitter. You have to plug the power cord from the device directly into the UPS. So UPS directly into the wall, power cords from the devices directly into the UPS. That will get you exactly what you're looking for. So uh, that, that would be my advice is, is test it out that way. Yeah, and I guess the one thing, if you didn't mention it when it was gone, but um, is the battery charged? Oh, that's no, yeah. I, I would think most UPSs yeah. would indicate whether the battery is stone cold dead, but to me that sounds like behavior that mm-hmm. <laughs> would occur if the battery, if it's like, you know, so it detects a, a power problem and it's like, hey, battery, you there? No? Oh, okay, I better shut down. Yeah, okay, so yes, Pilot Pete, so Pilot Pete a, had a couple of things battery, here. Battery circuitry could be defective. It could, so, oh, uh, yeah, but, that's true. You know, get, getting that driver, which I think a lot of times, or you know, looking at it in the energy saver, may show you the power level or the, or the UPS itself may have. Right. I think, I think we just lost John again, but uh, Pilot Pete had, had something to add to this while, uh, while John calls us oh, back. Oh, get him back. <laughs> John may be getting caught. Hey, uh, mine is, uh, I, I have a UPS that's rather weak, and it's it's an age-related issue. It's an old lead-acid battery in it, and it's just pretty much dead. It'll handle the load for about a minute, and then it goes uh, it goes down on me hard. So uh, it essentially gives me enough time to shut down a machine if I happen to be in the area and it's on. Um, and then something else was mentioned in the pre-show was when you get a new UPS, you generally have to go in and either pull it. Oh, nice. Or, I got unknown error. Hey. Hey, uh, Pilot, Pilot okay. Pete's in the middle of a soliloquy here. We're going to let Pete back, finish. Yeah. Welcome, welcome back, though, John. Go ahead. Anyway, uh, and the other issue was, if it's happening, this clearly isn't happening to uh, Chad, but if you have a new UPS and it acts funny right out of the box, you, you may need to go in, open the panel, and actually connect the battery, because generally speaking, they come out of the box without the battery connected. So that's, But that's probably not happening to Chad, seeing as he has two of them two, acting like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, John. Yeah, I got the same unknown error when I tried to call you back here. Uh, it's the exciting world of on. software. Who knows? <laughs> I think it's the exciting world of the Internet. There's there's something going on between us tonight. I think we both need to uh, to restart our routers uh, and see if that fixes things before sometime between now and next Monday when we do this again. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, we get uh, emails and, and of course, we want you folks to email in for the contest there for Smile's birthday. How do you contact us? Well, email comes into feedback at MacKeekGab.com. Uh, you can call us, and that number, John, is? Uh, 206-666-GEEK, which is? 4335. And you can Skype us to MacKeekGab. Now, I've had a couple of people email and say, I'm looking for you on Skype. I don't see you online. We are never online on Skype. The MacGeekGab address on Spike on Spike <laughs> on yeah. Skype is only there to accept voicemail. So just make a call to it. It will get through and uh, and 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 trust us. It'll be there. And and you can also follow us. Uh, you can follow me rather on Twitter, uh, yeah. Twitter dot com slash Dave Hamilton. And tonight I put up a 
uh, I did two pictures because, you know, I have Twitterific on the iPhone now so I can post pictures directly. And I put one up of the studio setup after I got uh, the, the, the podcast prep today because I know people have asked what what things look like. So you can go online and, and see that. And I also put uh, a picture of Pilot Pete up during the uh, during the show here. So thanks, Dave. You got it. Yeah, of course. That's, that's what I'm here for. All right. Uh, Max? You want to talk about Max? Max is fine. Max is great. Max is fantastic. No, he's not. Oh, he, no, he has a problem. Help. Max we'll says, my color printer, which is connected to my Mac OS X computer running Tiger, I believe. I just got it like two weeks ago, so I don't know how to check what version it is. We'll talk about that, too. Is low on color toner, which would be color ink, maybe, maybe color toner. So I decided to try and print something in black and white. But to my surprise, there was no option to or is there. OK, uh, so to answer the question. Uh, I think we found the right path in the print dialogue. If you go to so you start the print, you know, command P or file print and go to paper type uh, scroll. There's a little drop down menu in, in the print dialogue. Uh, what, what do we call that here? Let me pull this up here. Yeah, it doesn't really have a title. But but if you select the app, so you select the printer. You got to do two things. That's right. So hit mm. if you have the small printer dialogue where all you have is printer and presets you got to hit the little drop-down arrow next to the printer to get the big printer right. dialog. Then there's one that starts usually starts with layout. It's about halfway down the page. And you want to go all the way down. On, on my HP printer, it's paper type and quality. And then inside that, there's a tab for paper. And in there, there's a drop-down for color. And I can choose grayscale to print only in black and white. And, John, I, I think you found exactly the same thing. Is that right? Yep. So I found Color Smart Three, which I guess is their color matching or some wacky right color technology or grayscale. Um, now, also here's a bonus tip: if you look in that same dialog, especially if you're uh, you know paying for ink cartridges, yeah, like for HP printers, which tend to be uh, I don't know I I think somebody's discovered that you know the the value of ink per unit volume is about the same as. Uh, more than gasoline way more than gasoline <laughs> if you think gas is expensive try Champagne. buying yeah try buying gallons of this stuff or like you know a uh, very high-end perfume or something so uh, yeah so the thing go. is there is an ink tab and at least on my printer here they have ink volume light heavy and there's a little slider um i've actually found that, that, that the printer tends to probably drop more ink than it should so try to put it on the light side oh there you go I would say is a is a little little helper there. Um, yeah. Other than that, the only reflection I have is that some. I, I guess technically the reason that you have, and this is a little geek tangent, and people that are in color science know more about this than I do, but I think in theory, if you combine all colors, that will give you black. But that is why you have a black cartridge on on almost every printing device. Is that rather than mixing all the other colors to make black, it, right. it, it usually saves you some time. So I'm hoping the printer driver is smart enough. You know, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I would think it is. Yeah, even even our HPs, they have a color cartridge and then a black cartridge. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I guess the only thing I know, and, and again, anybody who says I, I don't know, I just work with people that do this, but um, but 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 I, from what I understand, the whole color matching thing is an interesting uh, field of study in that the color map of what you see and what you can see on a screen and what printers can reproduce doesn't always match in that. Printing technology, I think, lags behind display technology, or there's just different, if you will, Dave, zones yep. that, okay, here's what you can see with your eye, and here's what a printer can print on paper. Mm. And there are areas where the two do not overlap. So that's why you have this whole, 
just because I work with people that have to wrestle with this. So that's why you have this whole, what you see is not necessarily what you get. Got it. <laughs> when you print it on a printer. I don't know if you've run into that ever, if you've done any, you know, color work. Uh, you know, I, ha- I haven't, I haven't gone too deep on, on, on that stuff. But, but speaking of, of going deep, we're, we're actually, we've gone deep on time here. And Pete Ooh. has, has also gone deep on, uh, uh, on calculations. So, so Pete, why don't you tell us what uh, what you figured out uh, there? Okay, well, I try not to do too much public math, but figuring it's about a quarter ounce for a little cartridge of ink, uh, and you pay about 30 bucks. That works out to about $1,920 a gallon, so not quite there on the gasoline yet. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> That's painful. <laughs> wow. Wow. I like that. That's good. That's good. Let me see. Let me see if I can bring the band in here, John. Oh yeah, there it is. There it is. Okay, uh, so we have a lot of questions to uh, to to go through next time. We're, we're not going to turn this into a ninety-minute show, much to Pilot Pete's dismay. Uh, but that's just how it's going to be. iPhone Alley is the site where you can see everything else that Michael Johnston does when he's not busy doing the. Podcast conversion, AAC conversion. John got uh, got caught again here. Let's see if we can bring him back. Three times. That's three times. Yeah, that's right. I think John's back. So, uh, oh, so yeah. that, that's iPhone Alley. Uh, Michael Johnston, in addition to doing the site, also does the podcast, and he's got some great. He always gets great guests. Uh, so de- definitely check all that out. Uh, Cashfly hosting provides all the bandwidth for for us here as well as as well as everyone else in the backbeat media podcast or not everybody else but most of the uh, folks in the backbeat media podcast network the podcast marketplace this month includes the a5 and a2 desktop speakers from audio engine bb edit and yojimbo from barebone software page sender text expander and birthday wishes from smile on my mac.com uh conference recorder eyeglasses and call recorder from ecam networks and of course harman-etravel.com for all your travel needs we like the itunes comments we really appreciate all the itunes comments oh yeah over 209 see i forget it was up over 200 really i gotta see i haven't checked it since i got back from vacation i've been kind of buried thank you thank you so much yeah it's great uh, speaking of podcasts and iTunes, when when are they going to make it so that I can just subscribe to a podcast from my iPhone directly? That'd be really nice, wouldn't it? I, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, two zero six 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 geek, which John is. How the heck should I know? Four three three five. Feedback at macgeekgab.com and of course Skype to macgeekgab. You can see the show notes at macgeekgab.com. It usually takes a couple of days for us to get everything that was in the show up there. And uh, and like I said, go to twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton and you can see links to the pictures. Maybe maybe Michael will even have put them in the show at uh, at the moments that I mentioned. him. I, I, I bet he's a resourceful chap. I know he's a resourceful chap. I bet he uh, he went ahead and did that already without me even saying it. Uh, and if he didn't, well, he's going back now to do to do it. Right. Hi, Michael. <laughs> nice to see you. Uh, all right. That's it. We can uh, we can get out of here. Right. Yeah. We're good. Before Skype conks out on us again. No. You know, I just got to say, I think I prevailed during this episode. That's right. Bullheaded persistence, folks. There were multiple attempts (laughs) to snare me. That's right. (laughs) But you know that I refused to get caught. That's right, folks. Don't, uh, Don't get caught. Made up.